0: I just think it's crazy that you can make a plan with your idea, create some calendar invitations, meet during those times, and all of a sudden you've birthed a podcast.
1: And then we have a podcast. So easy, so (laughs) easier said than done, but here we are.
0: Here we are. We're doing it we're halfway through almost the season season one of money baggage welcome back to money baggage a financial literacy podcast brought to you by hightower advisors to spread knowledge about something that affects us all money we're your hosts joe franco and i'm zave and we're on an investigation to learn how to strategically deal with our money baggage
1: Joe, we're going to be covering everything from debt to savings to home buying. We're just trying to grow that money mindset. We're trying to help this next generation move forward with their financial independence.
0: Knowledge as well. So it's time to handle all this money baggage. Today's topic is one I'm very personally interested in because it affected me. Zabe, it's affecting you.
1: Absolutely. Still affecting me. Still something I lose sleep over every day.
0: And it's affecting 43.5 million people. Americans who have federal student loans as of 2022. It's a huge number of people. It's cultural in the states to have student loans.
1: It is. It's it's the most normal thing nowadays. College can be so expensive, you know, especially if you want to move out of state, if you want to go to your dream school. It's it's tough, you know.
0: So a little refresher of who we are and what this is all about. Zave, can you give us the lay of your financial money baggage as it relates to student loans.
1: Absolutely. So I went to college in Salt Lake City. I grew up in Las Vegas. Went to college in Salt Lake City. I don't know if you knew this or not, Joe, but I actually played basketball in college. Nice. Um so I was able to get like a partial athletic scholarship and the rest was student loans. So yeah, I have some student loans. They stress me out. But I think I have a plan ready to go when the time comes. And um, yeah, I'm taking it on head on because college was awesome.
0: It was awesome. Can I ask you how much uh, loan debt you have?
1: Oh, it's somewhere in the $20,000
0: range. Okay. That's not as bad as I expected. So you graduated from a four year university. Yep. What was your degree again?
1: In marketing.
0: So your degree in marketing, a business degree with $20,000 of student loan debt, that's actually a win.
1: It's not great, but it's not terrible. You know, I think the goal is full ride for basketball, but it didn't quite happen. But uh,
0: here we are. And how much was the sticker price of your university? Do you remember? Like if you didn't have any scholarships, how much would it be per year?
1: I think the athletic scholarship was something around like 75% tuition. (sighs) Somewhere
0: so you around got there. 75% discount? That's amazing. <laughs> ball, is life, Joe, ball, is ball is life, Joe. Ball is life. Ball Literally like living that baller's life. Okay, cool. Well, I did not have that much of a percentage off of my college experience. So in the States, if you live in the States, you probably are familiar with in-state tuition versus out-of-state tuition. So I chose the most expensive option when it was time to go to college because you know she got high standards. I don't regret <laughs> it, but I did go through... Soul crushingly high amount of anxiety when I saw the bills come in. Sure. My university was not only out of state, but it was also a private university, business school in Manhattan. So it was like expensive on expensive on expensive. The sticker price for my school was $50,000 a year. I know. And (laughs) I got $20,000 of scholarships the first year. So year one, I remember looking at that paper of the cost breakdown. Year one, I was already taking on 30K of debt. And I grew up again, like I grew up as the daughter of the cleaning lady. This is not the amount of money we would ever think is reasonable to spend. And there I was asking my mom to sign off on the Parent PLUS loan. I signed off on my personal student loan because as a student, you can only take out so much money. And I told my mom, mom, I just need you to sign off on this loan. I will repay every penny, even if I have to scrub the floors of this university. That's how crazy I got. I was like, I will figure this out. So yeah, it was really crazy and by the time I graduated 4 years later, I had accumulated $70,000 of student loan debt and that was after every single year figuring out ways to get more scholarships and work on campus to cut some costs. So the first year I paid 30k, second year I studied abroad, which was actually cheaper than staying for the full year in New York. Oh, so my study abroad program only cost $20,000 whereas The semester, Paris. Wow. Okay. So it was cheaper to study abroad in Paris. And that was even more expensive because if you were in the liberal arts university, like school, you could actually study and pay like 10K for the semester Jeez. because in Europe, it's so cheap to go to college. Sure. So like as an American studying abroad, you will likely save money, which is something people don't realize. So I would have been paying 25K to study in New York and I was studying in Paris paying 20 mind Wow.
1: Did you want to study abroad or did you realize that it was going to be cheaper? So you're like, I'm going to study abroad or...
0: I mean, it was always my dream to study abroad. But then when I saw it was cheaper, I was like, Shoot, can I do my whole university experience <laughs> sure, abroad? Sure. So anyways, yeah, studied abroad. So that actually gave me a break on my loans. And then the third and fourth year I did this hack. I got a job as a resident advisor and that completely covered my housing oh wow and a little bit of my meal plan and gave me money towards my tuition so the last 2 years were my smartest and most strategic but I still came out with all that strategy still came out with 70k in debt
1: <laughs> but you were able to pay it off pretty quickly compared to probably me and so much else of the country like walk me through like how you did that
0: so crazy so I started paying my loans freshman year I started paying Mm -hmm. my interest freshman year of college, which was something somebody told me when I was in high school. The number one tip to paying off your student loans is to start paying before you even get to college. The minute your bill, that timer starts, if you have money, put it towards your student loans because the interest, like we've mentioned with compounding, the interest grows so fast on an amount of money that high. So even though you're paying 50k, your sticker price is 50k, you're actually going to pay much more than 50k if you wait until the four years of university are over to start paying. So number one tip was I started paying interest right away. And anytime I would work, I would say I would put like $200 towards my loans every single month. Mm -hmm. And then when I saw the number rising, I was like, your girl's got to get some internships because I need some real world (laughs) experience. So I interned As much as I could to not only get work experience, but it would give me an edge. So when I did graduate, I could get better paying jobs. And then the irony is, I didn't end up working for anybody out of college. I became an entrepreneur. So even though I had all those experiences and relationships, I ultimately ended up building my own path and making my own money, which was the reason in five years I was able to pay off my loans. Because every time I would get a big chunk of money from brand deals or partnerships or hosting gigs, I would put painful amounts of money towards the student loans. Sure, sure. Like shoveling 5k at a time in those portals, just like 20k, if I got a $25,000 check, 20,000 of that is going towards my loans.
1: I mean, it hurts, but it probably felt so good. Was it like the best feeling ever when you were just done?
0: Dude, I was waiting for a mariachi band to come out and celebrate. It was so (laughs) climactic. I was like, (laughs) there was so much buildup because this was something that ruled my psychology every single penny I made, I was just thinking like, okay, this is going to chip into my loans, chip into my loans. I am not very good when it comes to owing people things.
1: Are you? For sure. I mean, I get the logic for student loans. Like I knew it was going to happen. I knew I had to go to college. I knew I wanted to go to college, but like, I'd be lying if I said I didn't lose sleep over it today. You know?
0: I think that this is what's interesting. And this, this correlates back to this whole theme of the podcast, the money baggage. Some people have a more comfortable relationship with debt than others. For sure, for sure. That's like a subjective feeling.
1: Definitely. I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with the way you grew up and a lot of it has to do with just like, yeah, your relationship with money, your relationship with debt, good debt, bad debt, student loans. It can teeter on both sides. So I guess my question is, Positive, negative, neutral. How do you feel about student loans just in general?
0: It's such a brilliant question. I think we all should be asking. That's a journal prompt, okay? How do you feel (laughs) about debt in general? How do you feel about student loans? My feeling on it is getting to the root of why we borrow money to begin with. We borrow money to invest. Student loans are an investment. While it's not really discussed culturally in the States, when you go to a university, you are investing in yourself You're choosing to invest in yourself in that particular university and you're choosing to develop your skills in your major. I think 18 is way too young for us to be committing financially Mm -hmm. to not only university sticker price, but also to a career path. Right. Because when you say I'm studying business, your career path will then eventually be business. So I think it's way too young and unfair.
1: I couldn't agree more.
0: Right. Like, what is that? You're like a baby and you're supposed to say, I agree to having a hundred thousand dollars of debt for this major that I'm not even sure I want to commit to.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I think that's really when it becomes like a good versus a bad thing. Because there are some people that, you know, they're like, I want to be a doctor. I've always wanted to be a doctor. I'm going to take out these loans because I have a plan. But there's also some people that are like, I just, you know, what's after high school, college naturally. And I have no idea what I want to do with my life. And I think I was somewhere in between the two of those. I think I had a plan of what I wanted to do, but I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do.
0: And it's crazy because you are spending a lot of money when you're uncertain, hoping that you'll wake up and figure it out. So first and foremost, if you're feeling uncertain about your student loans and your college experience, you are not alone. I think the mistake, the root problem is this whole lack of awareness So that's why some people take a gap year off. And I suggest that if you're thinking about not really knowing what you want, if you're uncertain about what you want to do in your life, it might be helpful for you to get some life experience because when your loans start ticking, it's only going to grow. And it breaks my heart that so many people owe so much money for a degree that they actually don't feel aligned with. And then part two of this is a degree that will not actually financially return on their initial investment. So part two is the the main problem when you think about money. Mm-hmm. Let's say you get a degree and you're paying $100,000 for that degree, and that degree makes you eligible for jobs in a field where the base salary is like $30,000. Right. That is not actually a financially sound investment.
1: No, it's tough. It's I mean, and that brings you to the passion versus money thing. And that's what we're here to talk about, right?
0: Oh my God, Dave. (laughs) This is (laughs) is a good good.
1: topic, Joe. We're going to have some fun today, I think.
0: We need like five (laughs) parts on this one, but okay, let's get into some facts. Let people know they're not alone and let's see what we can dig in.
1: We're not alone. You know, the numbers are big, like 20,000 on my end. You said you had 70,000. We have 43.5 million Americans with student loans federally. 9.9 million of those have between 20 and 40,000.
0: Okay, so ten million people owe the government between twenty thousand to forty thousand dollars just. At in least two. twenty. That's oh. a suffocatingly high amount of ten million people, Zave. Can you imagine?
1: It's terrifying. And it and it just gets bigger and bigger each year with those interest rates and stuff like that. You know what I mean? And you know, a million people have over two hundred thousand dollars of student loan debt.
0: No. No. A million people. <laughs> no. I don't even want
1: to do that math to see how many how much money that is. <laughs> Not 200,000. So they have money. like the
0: the value of a house in student loans alone.
1: It's terrifying. It's terrifying. I mean, you sign up to do it and you're 18 at the time and you potentially could be paying these off when you're in your 50s, you know what I mean?
0: So there is no more intense and aggressive industry financially than student loans, in my opinion. You look at house market, you're buying a whole house and that house is going to be there for generations to come. So that is worth $200,000. You buy a car, it's $20,000, $30,000. You can go higher and higher, but you can get a nice car for $10,000, $15,000, still nowhere near $200,000. When you look at education, especially after I've traveled around, some countries literally pay university students to study like in greece people will opt in to state there's a joke that greeks can be like lifelong students because you get a gym membership you get credits to travel you get like a pension to study in some cases and then as you study the different cultures and the university costs you see that the u.s is starkly more aggressive in how expensive universities are
1: i mean it's insane i i don't want to bag on my college like i love my college but like I paid so much just to go there. And I feel like I get an email from them every month saying, Hey, alumni should donate to our school. And I'm like, I just gave you hundreds of
0: thousands of dollars, you know? I know. I'm like, Are you going to donate to me? Because, like, this is not a symbiotic relationship. But again, there is this weird dynamic with universities similar to you. I love my alma mater and it's, Changed my life. It has changed my life to go to that university because of a few different things. One, living in Manhattan gave me a foot into the real world while I was studying. So there was so much value there. Two, meeting like minded people who were investing as much in their education as I was. So I do think there's a psychological sense of profound investment when you're spending. $50,000 a year on education, you're going to show up knowing you have a lot on the line. You put a lot of money on the line. The kind of person that that program is going to attract is just different. And the way that they behave is just different. I also think there's something to be said with students who pay for their own loans versus students whose parents pay for their loans. Because if you're a student who's paying for your loans, you are going to look at every class as a $1,000 investment.
1: I'm not missing a day.
0: Literally, I think one day I did the math to understand how much one hour of a college lecture was costing me. And then I'm like, "You girl's never going to be missing. <laughs> what well, no was app.
1: like a ballpark?
0: I think it was like $500 an hour. Yeah.
1: Each student, right?
0: Each student per hour. If a lecture is four hours, 2K right there. So that's a little trick that I advise you to do if you're a student. Break down your tuition, how much you're paying. Break down how many courses you're taking, how long. Those are and look at how much each hour in your university is costing you because it's going to give you perspective. So if somebody's parents are paying for their degree, that student might not be as emotionally invested because they're not hurting financially when it's all said and done. But if you pay, you're going to take advantage of it.
1: You did say one thing, though, that kind of stuck with me. Obviously, the degree meant a lot for me to have to get where I'm at now. But I do think there's not a price you can put on the relationships and the connections and the personal growth that I experienced in those four years of college. So,
0: yeah, this is why it's a tricky relationship. And that's why we're talking about it. Tell me more, Zave, give me more facts.
1: So 200,000, a million people have that. Like we said, like some people are paying it off by the time they're 65. So we have some numbers by ages here of student loans. So here we go, 7.3 million borrowers are younger than 24 years old, super young.
0: That's so sad, you're barely an adult and 7.3, basically teenagers and like very (sighs) young and fresh, sprightly humans are suffering this emotional baggage.
1: Hey, if you're if you're under 24 and you have student loans just know you're not alone. There's 7 other million people right there with you. <laughs> and then okay, so next this is our age group. 15 million borrowers are aged 24 to
2: 34.
0: Okay, now let's think about the stage of life that you're in when you're 24 to 34. This is probably some of the most transformational time in our lives. This is when you're in the workforce, you're scrambling to figure out what vocation you want to dedicate your life to. You're maybe jumping jobs until you figure that out. You're likely investing in real estate if you're fortunate enough to do so. You're probably finding a life partner. So this is like a really pivotal moment in our lives. And the most amount of people in this breakdown have loans. So 15 million people who are in this transformational time in their lives are dealing with juggling how do I repay my loans with the question of how do I build my life? That's crazy. Absolutely.
1: I think this point right here, the 24 to 34, is the point in your life where you're like, was taking student loans worth it?
0: Yes, and a lot of us are questioning that. 15 million of us are questioning that.
1: Oh, including me.
0: Including me. Including me. Okay.
1: (laughs) So next we got 14.6 million borrowers are aged 35 to 49.
0: So things are still not looking great for this age bracket because this lifetime, it's like, now you're raising kids. So now, essentially 15 million people with fresh young families, mortgages careers that they may or may not love, but hopefully love. They're dealing with student loans in addition to family costs. And then this age bracket, I also want to talk about this because I know this is our next episode. 35 to 49 is the age bracket where you begin to start taking care of your parents and the elders in your family. Oh so my goodness, I know. This is like pressure cooker on level 10 right here.
1: Definitely. And I, I'm excited to talk about that one. next. Coming up next, I have some facts that are crazy that have to do with this college tuition thing that, yeah, it's crazy.
0: So if you're in this age bracket, 35 to 49, first of all, I think we're sending you big, big hugs. We're sending everybody in this list, big hugs. But really, this is this the middle seesaw of life. So you are now the adult in charge of taking care of the younger and the elderly while paying off your student loans.
1: We have faith in you. You're not alone. You got this. <laughs> okay. And then next, this is when, you know, It's sad to say this number because it's like this is when people are starting to finally have their loans paid off. And from 18 to 6.5 million borrowers are 50 to 61.
0: So this is the exhale moment. It's like halfway through your life. We're starting to exhale.
1: You can take a deep breath. You finally have a plan. You're figuring it out.
0: You can spend time with your grandchildren. This is why people in their, you know, 50s and 60s have more money to spoil their grandchildren because they paid off their loans.
1: (laughs) Oh, 100%. You know what? My parents have a grandchild now and I feel like he's way more spoiled than I ever was.
0: Yeah, because they paid off their loans by the time they turned 50.
1: (laughs) Sure, sure. (laughs) And then we got the last, the smallest number, which makes sense. 2.6 million borrowers are 62 and older. Which is still, I feel like, a pretty high number to be that old and still be dealing with your student loans. You know, it's obviously the smallest, but it, it's sad to see.
0: Well, yeah, it's still 2.6 million people who have had a lifelong relationship, tumultuous, I bet, with paying off student loans in addition to all of life's costs. And this goes to show you that that 2.6 million likely had a degree that did not return on investment with their career salaries you know what i'm saying because if you if you end up getting a degree that pays you well then you're going to be able to pay off those loans or another way to understand this story is 2.6 million of those borrowers married and combined student loans Mm -hmm. i've heard of people who you know you marry someone and you have a bunch of loans and they have a bunch of loans and then Because you basically put your student loans in a big mountain with life's costs of mortgages and childcare and all of that, it becomes increasingly more difficult to pay off your student loans. The other thinking that I just thought about is maybe student loan rates, the interest rates are a little bit lower than mortgage rates. So when people are looking at all of their debt in a landscape and strategizing what to pay off, they might choose to pay their student loans less aggressively than the other higher interest rate debt items like mortgages and credit cards.
1: Definitely. And that's, and that's kind of what I was thinking is I think, you know, if you lower that monthly payment, say for your student loans, it might help you get a mortgage because your monthly debt is, is a lot lower. So stretching it out, making it more money in the long run, but in turn, enabling you to do some other things, take on some more debt, you know,
0: that's crazy. There's so much complexity in student loans. I just want to say, the biggest thing like with all financial literacy is do your research, understand what you are signing up for. I remember in college there was a petty cash window. This petty cash window always had a massive line of students around it. And the mm-hmm. petty cash was a way of saying, let's say your college tuition cost you 25k a semester, but you took out $27,000 in loans. The school will actually pitch you or the government will pitch you on taking out more loans than you need. And then that excess difference, that $2,000 difference, you can go to the petty cash window and take out cash. They will give you an envelope Mm -hmm. with $2,000. What people do not understand, and this is crazy, like I remember seeing that line in the hallway and I'm like, what is everybody so excited about? And everybody's like, free money. And then I started (laughs) looking into it and I'm like, that's not free money. That's money with interest that is going to be compounding that you didn't need to take out with interest on it. Oh, I know. How wild is that? That At the end you, of the day. Like, you need I, to do your research. Mm-hmm.
1: I love my school, but they're trying to make money. You know, they're trying to make money. That's it's the biggest thing. I love them, though. But, Joe, I do want to talk about... Because student loans, it's a big thing going on right now. There's a lot of discussions being happening. There's... Since COVID, student loans have been paused. And that was something that affected me drastically because I was fresh out of college, super worried about paying back my student loans. I didn't have a job yet, anything like that. Not a ton of experience on my resume. And then things got paused and they've been paused ever since.
0: I've been following the story. This is a developing student loan story. We are in a very crazy moment of student loan history because with the pandemic and also just the growing amount of student loan debt, which keeps growing and growing and growing, the government is like, oh, we need to hit a pause button, especially during the pandemic. So Mm -hmm. what did it do? Tell me what is happening as a student loan payer right now.
1: Totally. So I mean, basically, right now, we're at a standstill pause. And I know everyone's been losing sleep because it was obviously paused in 2020. There's been plan after plan after plan for them to resume. Once again, let me just say it's also pausing the interest rates, which is the main important thing here.
0: So this are you telling me like, you know what this analogy this this makes me think of the analogy of, you know, when you're playing a video game and you find a secret level and the game, mm-hmm. the real level stops, it pauses. And then you're like Super Mario Brothers, like you're a Super Mario and you're kind of like, uh-huh. like in a secret level. That's what everybody who's getting this student loan pause is experiencing. You guys are actively working on your careers and making money with this secret loophole that has never happened in history before.
1: It's been so crazy. And honestly... It's been, like, both positive and negative. I think, obviously, when it first happened, the pause, like, it was super positive for me. But now it's just, like, the anticipation of when things are going to pick up is almost as bad as if they just started again. I don't know.
0: What is the latest news? Because I know that every few months the government like biden kind of reconvenes and says his plan and then it changes and then they pause it again so there is this looming cloud of uncertainty that you never really know
1: so towards the end of last year biden pitched a plan right and i have it here in front of me it was that twenty thousand dollars would be forgiven if you went to college on a pell grant ten thousand dollars would be forgiven if you didn't receive a pell grant And this is kind of the biggest one here, is payment based on income. If you have undergraduate loans, you can cap the repayment at 5% of your monthly income. So if you make in less money, it'll lower your monthly payment. And for some people, including myself, it would be a drastic amount of money forgiven. And for some people it'd be all of your student loans wiped.
0: So let's just talk about Pell Grants for a second as well. I got Pell Grants. Pell Grants are awarded to people who show significant financial need and have not earned a bachelor's graduate or professional degree yet. So the government will look at your financial situation. And if you have the specific financial need, like this household income that's really low, you'll get a Pell Grant. This is money that is Free, and that means that you're more able to go to college. The twenty thousand dollars that I received that first year was a Pell grant. Most of that was a Pell grant, I'm pretty sure. So this Biden proposition would award twenty thousand dollars, the highest amount of forgiveness, to the people with the lowest income or the most challenging financial circumstances. But still, if you didn't receive a Pell grant, which means that you come from a little bit higher financial stability, you're still getting ten k off of your loans, and then the five percent of your income rule, I think is brilliant because that means that you're doing your best, you're getting a job, you're getting a salary, and no more than 5% of your salary should be going towards your student loans, which gives you a chance to exhale as you build your career. But this law has not been enacted. What's happening?
1: For sure, so long story short, he pitches this plan, millions of people uh, applied for it, and then the Supreme Court is telling Biden, no sir, Biden is saying, we really wanna make this happen. So they're kind of going back and forth, right? There's going to be a decision made sometime soon, hopefully. I'm not so sure when the next reconvening is of the conversations. I know they've been ongoing since the year started. And basically, once the decision is made, payments are going to restart 60 days after that. So relief or not, forgiveness or not, 60 days after the decision is made. And if they haven't been resolved by June 30th, They're starting 60 days after that either way.
0: So basically, July 30th, August 30th. So by September, the high probability that people will need to start repaying their loans will kick in in September. There's a high probability because basically they could say yes to Biden's plan, which they haven't said yes, or they could say no, or they could just not come to a decision. So there's like a two thirds chance that payments will resume September (laughs) of 2023 Time's so, coming. you know, mark your calendars. September's almost here. It's time to go on a money diet.
1: Oh, my gosh. It's just been it's been so stressful because I feel like I've had I've I mean, I've read and I've heard a specific date so many times now of they're starting on this date be ready to pay them and then it'll be like a week before that date and then they'll be like no actually you got another couple of months so it's been so stressful
0: so then have you mentally and financially prepared for these supposed dates in the past
1: oh for sure i mean mentally and financially i've just been like you know talking with my parents talking with you know talk with your advisor (laughs) Um,
0: Your financial advisor, yeah.
1: (laughs) And just like start prepping. I've been saving up money. I've been just kind of starting to come up with what's the plan going to look like? What's the payments going to look like? How can I handle this as quickly and effectively as possible? But until that date, I mean, just got to be responsible.
0: You have to, I mean, I hope I'm sending you hugs, (laughs) Ave. I'm here for Thanks, you Joe. <laughs> Emotionally, like as somebody who went through that for, for many years. It is definitely soul crushing. But again, you're not in it alone. And hopefully there is some relief because maybe, who knows, maybe there's like some in between, some win-win that we can reach. The point is, if you do have loans, now is the time to start thinking about that action plan so that the date doesn't come around and shock you. So money diet is my way to go. Trim that fat, honey. Trim it. Trim it. Okay, so give me some more insight so we understand what we're really dealing with when it comes to loans. Because I know there's unsubsidized versus subsidized and there is quote unquote, less financially damaging type of loan, which is subsidized, is the less financially detrimental. Sure,
1: sure. So there's the two types, right? So subsidized loan here, I'll start there. A subsidized loan is a type of federal loan with a subsidized direct loan, the bank or the government is paying the interest while you're in school during your post-graduation grace period, and if you need a loan, it.
0: So the key thing to highlight here is subsidized loans do not have interest for the entire duration of your university experience, which is huge because that interest, that compounds, will not create a bigger mountain of debt.
1: The numbers, the number, I- until you're able, probably in a better situation, to start paying them back.
0: Yeah, yeah. Also, the grace period, I want to highlight, look up your grace period. I think it's six months after you graduate, but I was like truly living my best life during that grace period as in able to breathe. But I had a calendar alert the six months after I graduated, like, okay, I will need to start paying. And I remember always applying for income based repayment and deferment sometimes because I was like in my entrepreneurial journey in the middle of the hardest time for me financially. It was crazy. I think about what I did. It was crazy. Like I was a crazy 22 year old for moving to another state across the country to start a YouTube channel with $70,000 of student loan debt. Like that is nuts.
1: Don't forget about the sleeping on the couch days and all that, right?
0: (laughs) Sleeping on the couch, eating crunchy peanut butter because I couldn't afford anything else. And then like five years later, that was an investment in myself and in my ideas that allowed me ultimately to pay it back. But like it was ugly before it got pretty.
1: Joe, you're inspiring. You're inspiring. And you know, when these payments come back, maybe I have to just move across the country and sleep on a couch and and figure it out. I don't know.
0: No, but it's like, it's really the thing that helped me was proactively investing in my skills, in my relationships, and constantly looking at strategy. Like, what is my strategy? And refining the strategy. We'll talk about this the entire show. All of these episodes involve strategy, but student loans, because they take such a toll on you, you need strategy. So tell me about unsubsidized loans, because if I'm not mistaken, most of our loans are unsubsidized, which is Definitely not the so. best kind.
1: Not great. A lot more common. Here they are. Another type of federal loan is an unsubsidized loan. With a federal unsubsidized loan, you are responsible for the interest from the moment the loan money is dispersed into your account. There is no help on the interest. You're responsible for the whole amount.
0: So daunting. Then there's a third type of loan, which is a private student loan, which is Mm -hmm. usually even more intense when it comes to interest. So the best kind is subsidized, then comes unsubsidized, then comes private. And some people have a combination of all three. Others have a combination of two and some people, if they're lucky, might just have subsidized loans and then they won scholarships and grants.
1: Sure thing. I think the biggest thing with the subsidized loans is that they are much harder to get and they are based off of strict needs rather than, like we talked about, if your family situation is a little bit better than others, you're less likely to get that subsidized loan. It's made to help people out.
0: And it helped me out. It really did. Now we're going to talk about the action steps. As always, we want to give you some takeaways, more than we've already given you. But one thing that I thought was fascinating when I found out this piece of news that Bob Oros, the CEO of Hightower, told me that Hightower actually helps its employees pay back their loans and this benefit in the corporate world that I'm like. We got to learn about this because I didn't have this option going you know, into the real world. That was not something that companies were offering, but Hightower is. So what is that all about?
1: Definitely. So I was able to sit down with Aaron from our HR team, a little new segment we're introducing to the Money Baggage podcast here. And we're phoning a friend to uh, get her to uh, tell us a little bit about what Hightower offers, which I am forever grateful for. So I went on a field trip to talk to Aaron from HR to get a little bit more insight on what Hightower is doing in order to help us pay our student loans back. Erin, thank you so much for agreeing to be on our podcast today. really, really appreciate your time.
2: Yeah, super excited.
1: So with our topic today is uh, student loans. I kind of just wanted to pull you in to ask you a few questions. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about
2: yourself first? Yeah, sure. So I am currently the director of HR at Hightower Advisors. I started in HR about three or four years ago at this point. I was working at a boutique litigation consulting firm. And prior to that, I was in higher ed. So I worked for University of Chicago for about three or four years doing student alumni relations and working on their mentorship programs and, and things like that.
1: Oh wow. very nice. So it sounds like you've been to you know, a handful of companies around you know the whole student loans and benefits in the workplace situation. What's your experience, I guess, with with previous companies and, and student loan benefits?
2: Actually, my experience with previous companies is that they don't have the student loan benefits. They typically have tuition reimbursement. So this is a really cool, unique benefit that I saw for the first time at Hightower. Although I do think it's t- like kind of picking up a little bit in the workplace just because of the current climate and what's going on with student loans here in, in the US. But this is the first company that I've worked for that actually had this benefit.
1: And do you want to just get in a little bit into more detail of uh, the benefit that Hightower does offer? Such a great company.
2: I know. No, I know. It's such a cool benefit. And actually, in the last year, we've increased it, which is amazing. So we started this about, I think it was maybe two years ago prior to my starting with Hightower with a company called Peanut Butter. And basically, this benefit, they work with all of the major student loan companies, and we are able to pay tax-free a certain amount every month to people's students, towards people's student loans. And Hightower started small because they didn't know what it would look like. It was kind of a pilot. And so we were paying $25 a month, which is a very small amount, but it's something. And as like it picked up, we realized how important it was. And this past year, we've increased it to a hundred dollars and it's tax-free, which means it's not counted as income on your pay stub completely paid by Hightower. There's no, you know, there's no payroll deductions for you. So it's just an additive benefit for all of our employees here.
1: I really think that bump to a hundred is like, it's insane, right? That's, I mean, it adds up. It really does. It really adds up.
2: It really does. Especially now. I don't know if, if you have student loans like I do, but there's no interest rates right now. So you're really paying that down and you're hitting that principal, which is, what you need to do in order to pay that off in a timely fashion. So, so Definitely. it's a great, it's a great opportunity. And if anyone does have student loans and they haven't signed up for it, it's super painless. I recommend doing it immediately before that, <laughs> that student loan halt goes away. <laughs>
1: sure. No, I, I, totally do have student loans and it was like one of the first things I noticed about Hightower that made me, you know, dig a little bit deeper when I was on the, on the job hunt. Cause it is, it's super rare. You know what I mean? So how would you say that Hightower's benefits kind of compare to the places you've been in the past around the student loan situation?
2: I mean, Hightower I think is going above and beyond in this area. Like I said, I haven't seen the student loan benefit anywhere else, even at University of Chicago, which okay. is I mean, it's a it's a college. It's a <laughs> you know, it's a school. And so I think that they're kind of they're on the forefront of this right now. So I, I would say that, you know, there's nowhere to go but up out here.
1: <laughs> sure, sure. Do you think that um, a lot of people are aware? Do you think most people, big number at our company, utilize that benefit or?
2: Shockingly, not as many as I would expect. So I think there's, and that's probably twofold, or two reasons why. One, up until recently, it was such a small amount. I sure. wonder if people thought, why bother doing this but two i think we've just started getting much better communicating this benefit because we're realizing how unique it is in the marketplace and so we're really pushing it out we have it in our recruiting packages we're um pushing it out with our new employees reiterating this is a free benefit it is completely free you're not paying a premium on it it is just pure money in your pocket and so i think that when this moratorium on student loan payments is eliminated we will probably see a jump
1: i'd imagine so right
2: (laughs) yeah i hope so too i I hope so but it is a smaller number than i would expect for our company so i hope that i hope that this will get the word out a little bit and we'll have a a spike in uh signups
1: 100 hey that's what we're doing here we're trying to spread some awareness right I guess uh one last question what kind of recommendations would you say you have for people I guess in our company outside of our company you know cuz cause, cause me I'm I'm pretty fresh out of college and and kind of looking for what kind of benefits I can use what kind of benefits are helpful for me what what kind of recommendations do you have in in locating those those benefits and stuff like that.
2: Well the first thing is talk to your HR reps. Because <laughs> they're gonna be the ones who will be able to give you that information firsthand and kind of talk you through it. Because benefits are confusing. Until I worked in them I really never understood them myself, you know?
1: They are confusing. I'll speak for myself. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the first time signing up for insurance, I had no idea what I was doing or why I
1: needed
2: it <laughs> <laughs> sure one of my parents for so long. So talk to your HR rep. I also think there's most companies and corporations have an EAP. And I think that's probably one of the most underutilized resources out there. And there's some incredible benefits included in that. Like our EAP here, we have, I think it's three to five free therapy sessions with a therapist. There's financial consultation services that are included free. There are legal services that can be included in that too. When I was at University of Chicago, there was a legal service there for $7 a month. You would pay to have an attorney on retainer and they would fight and argue for you if anything came up. So like, if you were having an issue with your lease and a landlord, they would sit there and create legal arguments and fight for you for $7. Wow. Like These kinds of benefits exist, and I don't think anyone's aware of them. And so really digging into your EAP and calling the numbers that are listed and mm-hmm. trying to get an understanding of what, what is included. There's babysitting services that are typically included in an EAP, which has been a lifesaver, especially during the pandemic for those people that are working from home, having to have their, their kids at home while they're trying right. to do, take calls and stuff like that. There's virtual babysitters too. So there's just a ton of really cool benefits that you don't think of as part of a traditional benefits package that are in your AP. So I suggest exploring that.
1: Awesome. Well, Erin, thank you. Thank you again so much for, for agreeing to be here. Do you have any closing remarks around student loans? We're all in it together. I
2: know. We are all Call in it your together. HR rep. <laughs> just call. call your HR rep, and everyone, keep your fingers crossed with the Supreme Court ruling. <laughs> <You> get <laughs> fingers a little eliminated, yeah.
1: <laughs> Gosh, I know. I've been like living in purgatory for the past, you know, so many months, just waiting to hear what the deal is. Just, I just wish they would rip the bandaid off. You know. I know.
2: I know. <laughs> but I think I'm hopeful, and you know, regardless of the outcome, Hightower has these student loan benefits. So sign up if you haven't already and just kind of keep digging in and, and looking at the resources that your HR teams have, because there's probably more that you haven't even explored yet when it comes to like financial planning, financial advisement, stuff like that.
1: Totally. Thank you again, Aaron. Really appreciate your time.
0: So Zave, let me get this straight. You work, you get a salary, you like what you do. You get to host this cool podcast with me and your loans are actually getting paid in addition to everything helping else. helping me out with this.
1: I- I'm so grateful. And it's surprisingly, a-, a lot less companies do it than you would think, you know?
0: Well, it's new. When Bob told me, he was like, Joe, you know, we're innovative. Bob Wars is the coolest dude, by the way, like the CEO of Hightower.
1: Shout out to Bob.
0: Shout out to Bob. He calls me Jojo. I call him Bobo. Like Eventually, I'll have him on this podcast too. So how many companies around the States are doing it? Of course, Hightower is doing it, but who else?
1: Totally. So uh, here's a number for you. 17% of employers with 500 or more employees offer some sort of student loan repayment assistance. That's a really sad number for me just because if you have 500 or more employees, you're probably a pretty big, well-respected company I don't want to say it for everyone, but like, you know, you're bigger than other companies. Maybe it's something you should look into. And only 17% seems pretty low to me.
0: It does seem low, especially when you think about the mental toll that having student loans creates in your teams. I think if corporations start realizing that the mental well-being of their teams affects productivity, they will actually see this benefit as something that helps their teams perform better. Because I know the weight of waking up in the morning and working and then you get your paycheck and half of that paycheck goes to your student loans. Like, that's not a good feeling. So if you know, right, like if you know you're working, you're growing your career, you're getting your salary. And in good faith, this company is helping you with this massive amount of emotional baggage by way of your money baggage. That's the company that you're going to be loyal to. Totally.
1: I think... It also will help a lot with like talent retention. If there's a company that I'm working for that's helping me pay off my loans in the long run and I like what I do and they're helping me also put into my retirement, why would I leave?
0: This is something that I feel like everybody out there, if you're on the job market, you're looking for different kinds of career options and browsing around for companies. I always like to remind people, you interview the company just as much as they interview you. And if you're coming to that job with student loans, search for that benefit. Does that company offer any kind of assistance? You know, if I were in the shoe of the person who came out of college with debt, I would only be searching for companies that had like those 17% of the companies. That would be my only target of where I applied. 100%. That's crazy. Did you know about this high tower benefit? Or did you just realize this while we did this episode?
1: Okay, no, I did. I I I did it before I started working here, but I did on like my onboarding because they're they're super open. Hightower is super open with their um benefits and what they offer. And I was like, oh wow, that's amazing. (laughs) I I had no idea.
0: Pleasant surprise.
1: Yeah, I mean, I figured I didn't even know like it existed in the workforce, and I found out. and I was like, wow, that makes me want to work here even more.
0: And here we are. Heck yeah! And you know, it's one small tool. As this developing student loan epidemic evolves, that companies and hopefully the government will create relief plans to help. Because if you look at the global stage, the U.S. is doing something that is not exactly working and it trickles into all other aspects of life. We cannot live fulfilling lives if we're waking up with mountains of debt and emotional stress. Like that's just not the way to live.
1: Definitely. So we're in it together. Start doing your research because the time is coming. Should we uh, get into some questions?
0: Well, let's take a few questions, yeah, and then wrap it on home.
1: So I think this one's a good one for for you to give your kind of two cents on Joe of any tips on traveling while still paying your loans and saving. Correct me if I'm wrong. You did a fair share of traveling fresh out of college.
0: Yes, I was traveling during college and fresh out of college. And my biggest tip, it depends on your lifestyle. It depends on your who you have as a responsibility. This is a case by case basis. But what I did was I aligned travel in as many different aspects of my life as possible. For instance, when I could not travel, I worked in a hostel because I wanted to be in an environment to experience travel, even though I had to be in New York. I was in New York for college working at this hostel and through that, I actually met other travelers who opened my mind to other travel jobs. So I met this woman there who was a travel scout for a management company that booked corporate travel. From that tip, I googled uh, corporate travel agencies and I applied for this job at huge corporate travel agency. And that also got me into this travel world while getting paid. The other thing was I did a lot of work exchange. So I would find different hostels and offer them what I could offer at the time, which was, hey, I'll write a blog featuring your hostel in exchange for a free stay, or I'll create a video for you to promote your school in exchange for the trip. So that's how I first started traveling while in school and right out of school. And then eventually I grew an audience, which allowed me to get brand deals, which then started making me a paycheck like that's how i started getting paid to travel
1: oh that is so cool
0: but yeah it was it was strategy complete strategy
1: definitely and i'll add a little two cents on that one is it doesn't always have to be an extravagant vacation you know i i like to pride myself on uh, cheap trips and stuff. i love a good um, cheap
0: trip what's your <laughs> yeah. favorite cheap trip
1: oh i just love the beach joe i love the beach i went to miami pretty recently for the first time and it wasn't that expensive i got to go to the beach. I got to have a good time. So what about you?
0: I've taken a trip to Baltimore and acted like it was freaking Barcelona. <laughs> like it was. Like, <laughs> sure. I am definitely one of those people that thinks travel is a state of mind, not something you need to get on a plane, train or bus for. I also have the tip of like going off season. So I went to Montreal in winter, but it was beautiful, even though it was an Arctic tundra. And taking these micro trips, these mini vacations, saying today I'm going to explore my own town like I am traveling and that really does change your mood. So I'm all for that travel state of mind. If you cannot travel because of financial reasons, you can still simulate the experience of traveling.
1: Totally agree. Okay. So here's another question. I'm kind of interested to hear about your experience as well. I don't know if the timing was was similar when you still had student loans or not, but can I still dream of buying a home if I have student loan debt?
0: Everything is possible. And how many people buy homes with student loan debt? You looked at the numbers. We saw those numbers together. Like Millions of people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s have student loan debt. And I bet you they also have homes. So that's where you get a really good advisor to talk you down that path and to see how you can mix and match your income, your debt, all of that. But yeah, so many people have student loans and so many people also own properties with student loans.
1: Were you still dealing with your student loans when you bought your house?
0: No, no. I'm such a risk averse person when it comes to student loans and and debt in general that I'm like, I'm one of those people that I'll have a huge project financially. I'll pay that all off and then I move on to the next project and then I pay that all off and I move on to that. So my life cycle of debt, it was student loans, pay that off. Car loan, pay that off. House, bought it all at once. And now I'm like, (laughs) okay, Cool.
1: I love so that story.
0: It's really good. It's it's better for my mental. But I'm aware of my mental stresses. And I know I can't function as well if I owe a bunch of money.
1: 100%. I, I think so. The answer is yes. You can still dream of buying a house. Get with your advisor. Find out what you can do. Come up with a plan. And tackle those loans. Tackle tackle
0: those those loans. Yeah, I think the number one thing is knowing what you owe, understanding it inside and out. This is a companion along your journey. We all experience it for the most part. Okay, let me not generalize. Some people didn't go to college and they're not stressing. And they're like, (laughs) I'm living my best life traveling the world. (laughs) But if you're one of the millions of people who have student loans, just see it as a companion and as something that, is a part of what's happening. Hopefully there is some relief on its way and you can always look for an organization, company, similar to Hightower, that's gonna help you pay those loans back. And we're sending you all of the good vibes, big hugs.
1: We're in it together. We're here, get ready, plan it, take it head on. We got this.
0: Little by little, we'll unpack all of this student loan money baggage. And that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy this episode, do not forget to rate it five stars wherever you get your podcasts. And slide up in my DMs, right, Zave?
1: Oh, slide into DMs. The DMs are always open. Joe underscore Franco on Instagram.
0: And we're going to be taking anonymous questions about all things money, financial literacy, because we're trying to just help us all out with this financial knowledge.
1: We're all in it together. We're going to figure it out. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. See you soon. Bye. This video is a simulation and is for educational purposes only. Joe Franco is presenting the information in this video in her capacity as a consultant to Hightower Holding LLC and its affiliates and subsidiaries, and not as an actual client of Hightower Advisors LLC. The material provided in this article is prepared and researched by its author and does not serve as an endorsement or a reflection of the views of Hightower Holding LLC or any of its affiliates. Hightower does not make any representations or warranties expressed or implied as to the accuracy or completeness of the information or for statements or errors or omissions or results obtained from the use of the information contained herein. Hightower Advisors LLC is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC member FINRA-SIPC.